As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. And we're just sitting there thinking, oh my God, we're just crying and thinking, this can't be true. Who does that? It's like a horror movie you watch. And now I think, well, Trevor might have wanted to come home, but he... They took his life from him. And for what, I don't know. Still don't know. It's a particular kind of hellish state of limbo that families exist in when their loved one is missing and police believe or know that they've been murdered. Then there's a challenge of finding out what happened. Who killed them? Where are they? Will the person or persons responsible be charged? It's a complex situation that takes months, 
years, even decades to unravel. Pamela and Kirsty Taskus can tell you all about living in this hell. Pamela's son and Kirsty's brother, Trevor Taskus, was 27 when he suspiciously disappeared in October 2005 from an address in Whittington, which is a suburb of the regional Victorian city, Geelong. Trevor's life was up and down, and at the time of his disappearance, he was using and dealing drugs, but still in sporadic contact with his mum. He'd recently separated from a long-term girlfriend, which was a period of relative stability in his life. Investigators believe Trevor had been involved in a dispute with Lawrence Butler, the man he was sharing a house with prior to his disappearance. In 2009, Lawrence Butler was sentenced to 23 years in jail for Trevor's murder before his conviction was quashed on appeal. And we'll explain more about this and also the 2020 coroner's inquest into Trevor's death throughout this episode. It's not the end, though, for Trevor's heartbroken family. The missing person squad is still investigating and need to hear from people who may have information and may not have previously spoken to police for various reasons that could have made it difficult to speak up at the time. And there's a $1 million reward from Victoria Police for information. But let's get to know about Trevor. We begin with Pamela telling us about her son. Trevor was um, a troubled boy when he was young. Back in the day, they called it hyperactive disorder, but now it's ADD, HD, whatever it is. But he was a cheeky boy. He was real character of a kid. He'd do things that he shouldn't be doing. You know, he'd be on the house roof or he'd be, you know, he'd mow the lawns with a figure eight so he wouldn't have to be asked to do it again. And about eight, they, he went to paediatrician and he was medicated on this Ritalin, which I knew nothing about. I went back to the paediatrician because it wasn't the normal Trevor. He was, he went back like he was a baby. I went back and I said, something's not right here. As he got to the age of 14, they put him on another drug, Malaril, it was called, and then he thought, I'm not taking this anymore. So I think that's where he started to get into the drug world because his body must have been craving whatever he was given by the paediatrician. And how was school and all of that going? Well, he ended up getting put out of school and they put him in. He went in St Augustine School. They had a school for troubled kids. Mm. So he went to St Augustine School, which they do the morning theory work. And then their reward was we'll go surfing, we'll go bike riding, we'll go all different activities in the afternoon if they were good. What well, sounds fantastic. It was. Yeah, was it, it does. Yes, he loved it there. Okay. He loved it. And he had Is that a good in Geelong? Yes, it was. Hmm. He had a good rapport with all the brothers that worked there, you know, and the teachers and they loved him, but they couldn't get him out of the water. That was the problem, yeah. you know, and they'd call him shark bait <laughs> because they're ready to pack up and go back to the school, but, no, Trevor's still floating out there in the water on his board. There was no father figure in the family, so it was just me and his sister at the first till we had Kirsty. But, yeah, he took over that father role. That's know. a lot too. 
Yeah, as a kid, yeah. So you didn't ever have anyone in your family, like um, is in your parents, your siblings, who was ever into drugs or ever went to jail no. or anything like that? So it was all just completely foreign to you. Oh, my brother, yeah, for um, stolen car, not rebirthing cars. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, well, they buy chop. a bomb and... They rebirth it with another car. Yeah, That's yeah, right. chop, so chop, I chop, chop, yeah, chop, chop, yeah, 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 right, stick right. them together. Yeah, right. so I can remember visiting him in Pentridge Prison. That was horrific, yeah. like because we had a close relationship, my brother and I. And he was probably seventeen when he went in. To, oh. and when they slammed this door behind you when you go in, it was oh. And and we still close when he came out. Yeah. Yeah, still close. Yeah, great. He bought a house around the corner from where we lived and we sort of had a good relationship and the kids would go over there, wouldn't you, swim and do stuff like that. We lived just like a 500-metre walk away. Yeah. So they'd go over and swim in his swimming pool and he sort of took on the father role to Trevor, come over, clean my pool, I'll give you some money. and Mm. My father, who was essentially... A father figure to my brother as well. He was, didn't you meet him in prison? That's when I was visiting my brother. Yeah. So that's a huge component to it. Yeah. Because you were only two or eight months old when Kirsty's father went to prison. And so you and Trevor don't have the same dad? No. Two marriages. I had two marriages. He'd become abusive to me. And then when he started hitting my other daughter, I thought, this is time to go. Yeah, but it's scary to go. Well, it's scary to say you're leaving a yeah. man like that. Didn't we leave that day when he you... He threw our stuff out on the front, remember? Mm. I remember you when we had to call the ambulance and then we put all our stuff in garbage bags mm. and walked to 7-Eleven. That's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a lot to go through in your childhood. I mean, you know, the garbage bag walking to the 7-Eleven is a tough one. Having an abusive dad... And then even having, you know, your brother Trev is, you know, as you said, like your memories, your main memories of him are him getting into trouble. It's hard. I'm sure your mum was upset a lot. Seeing your mum upset a lot is hard. Yeah. When you're little. Uh, Yeah. No wonder you're a tough hombre. I try. I try. The girls in my rock because, you know, there was a time I thought I don't want to be here anymore either. I'm just going to take all my pills and go to sleep and let it all go away. But then I thought, that's gonna. What's that gonna do to them? Because yeah. they've had a shit life, and you know, what's it gonna do to my four grandchildren? So I'm glad I had that second thought about me because I wouldn't have said to them, "Oh well, I'm gonna end it tonight." You know, catches later. I would have just done it quietly. And I'm so glad you did have that second thought because you're right. Like, they've been through enough. This is the funny thing about kids is they just love you, don't they? They love you so much. <laughs> no matter how badly you think you've done for them, they just love you. So it would devastate them if anything happened to you, I can tell. So um, when Trevor, did he get in trouble with the police? He got onto the heroin. I think he was about 19 or something when he got onto the heroin. He shoplift, not shoplift, burglary, I think they said, burglary. So he went to prison for six months. That broke my heart. And you go into prison and seeing your child sitting behind the bars, that was heartbreaking. That was, I'm crying and we're on the phone talking through this glass and 
But he'd come home and he was really good. He'd done his six months and come home and lived with me and he got a girlfriend. She was excellent girl and they were dating for quite a few years. They started buying a house together but I think he fell into the drugs again. That's why the relationship split up. And then he went on a spiral downward turn. He was just troubled and there was no one out there to help. Like we tried ringing up, you know, rehab centres and all that. Oh, no, we haven't got the room and we haven't got the space and we haven't got this and, you know, to see him on heroin, he was just asleep all the time. And I'd say, well, why do you take this? You don't do anything. You just sleep. And he just says, I don't think about anything when I take it. And I thought, oh, Trevor, you can't. But then it becomes an addiction, doesn't it? It's a very, very difficult thing to shake. Yeah. It's not cheap, is it? You've got to sort of constantly have cash, don't you? Yeah. 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 Well, hence the burglaries. And yeah, that's yeah. when he, yeah, he'd done a few burglaries to pay for the heroin. But he'd come out of prison really good, really good, you know, he, wonderful. Remember when he wrote us that letter? We hadn't seen him for a while, popped it in the letterbox and telling us how um, sorry he is and he'd like to break the ice and come and see us. And But I don't want you to cry, Mum. I'm depressed and when you cry I get more depressed and all this stuff. And so Kirsty insisted, ring him now, Mum, ring him because he left the phone number. So I think we were on the phone with him for about an hour or so, weren't we? I don't even remember that. You're still in high school. What do you remember about your brother, Trevor? I remember the first thing that always pops into my mind is when he punched a hole in the wall (laughs) of the hot water system and he made me touch it (laughs) when (laughs) mum was in the shower. That is, (laughs) it burned. (laughs) (laughs) Then I do remember when he got with his girlfriend and was living close to us, I'd go for sleepovers and He'd set up the spare room for me and it was really nice. That was like the only real time we got to have a a relationship. So he was with his girlfriend when he met Mr Butler? No, the relationship had broken down then. Okay, so in 2005, um, Trevor moved into the property with Lawrence Butler. And the coroner says that at this time Trevor was trafficking meth as well. Were you aware of that? No. Right. No. So this is how he was making money, I guess. Yeah. So it's a pretty dangerous lifestyle as well, which, again, he wouldn't tell you. You don't tell your mum no. this stuff. No. I didn't know he'd left the house because I'd gone to the house where he was with his girlfriend and oh. no one was there. So they'd both moved out of Mum was visiting Trevor frequently at that house with his girlfriend and then contact kind of just ended. Oh, so you didn't know they'd broken up and... No. I think um, perhaps Trevor started to get back into the drugs whilst they were together and she didn't want a bar of it, understandably. Yes. Well, how long had it been at that point since you'd seen Trevor? Six, eight, could be 12 months. That's a long time for you, you, isn't it? He'd never really lost touch, had he? I mean, there was that period of time where you'd been out of touch a bit before he dropped the letter in your letterbox. It was, yeah, not always direct contact, but yeah. there was, we would hear 
from Be people. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Like family because he was living in our in my uncle's house and Yeah. So we would hear from other people that he was around doing and doing yeah. Right. yeah. He wasn't coming to you. No. Were you also keeping a distance because of various reasons or were there any was there well, anything he like was that? A real emotional kid and he knew I was too, so he didn't want to see me cry. So he just thought, well, I'll just keep my distance. But I'm I'm thinking now maybe was he on drugs then? And he knew I might have picked up on it or But I mean last you knew you were still visiting him and his girlfriend, weren't you? Yeah. And then you just went for that visit and, Lulu, and they weren't yeah, there. Yeah, the dog, yeah. And Lily the dog. Well, the dog, yeah, because I was knocked on the door this day. His car was in the driveway. Lulu's scratching on the door from the inside, but there's no answer. Oh. So I left this big Easter egg on the bench and never heard from him again. You've gone to visit Trevor in his house with his girlfriend. There's no one there. No. Unbeknownst to you, he's moved into Fourth Thatcher Court with Lawrence Butler, whom I'm assuming you've never heard of because this is a whole different crowd. Never heard of, never heard of. And why would you have? Because they're not your kind of people. No. Trevor's trafficking in meth, which you don't know. What's Mr Butler doing? Do we know? Is he in a similar trade, similar business? He was selling drugs too at the Mm. time, yeah. Your son, Trevor, was contacted by another woman who wanted to come over and buy drugs. She testified to the coroner, at least, that she noticed that Trevor was really nervous and scared. Those were her words. And she said that Trevor said that he had a gun. He didn't show it to her, but he said he he had a gun because he felt scared. He wanted to leave it with her because he didn't want to have it with him, you know, in his, yeah. in his home. Yeah. She didn't want it in her home either. And it got to the point where you hadn't heard from him. No. We were door knocking all thinking of his old friends he had in the Whittington area where we lived because I never heard anything, any feedback from anyone in the street that knew him or, you know, I'd run into someone that used to be his ex-principal at school and, oh, I'd seen Trevor, he's doing really well. and But that all stopped and that went on for months and months and months. So... I said to Kirsty, I'm going to go door knocking and see if some of these friends still live in that area. And we found one, Kane McKay. We found him and um, he told us this horrific story. He told you this terrible rumour that he'd heard. Yeah. He told you that uh, he'd heard a rumour that Trevor had been murdered and that his remains were disposed of in a drum. Yeah. Who would you, who would believe that? I would never believe that. Well, I didn't believe it. I thought, oh, well, it's the Whittington gossip. And what was his manner when he was telling you this story? Oh, very well, relaxed. Kane's beautiful. He's a lovely boy. Kane never got involved in that world at all. We still have contact with him. Yeah, we still. Okay, yeah. so that makes it harder though, because yeah. it sounds like a pretty because um, he wouldn't have just said something. Yeah, okay. for the sake of saying something. So that raised a few yeah. alarm bells. Yeah. And I sort of said to Kirsty, oh, I don't believe it, you know. But she insisted, let's go to the police, Mum. She didn't give up. That's fair enough, And yeah. I thought, I don't want to waste their time on a rumour. But we went to the police and made a statement. They took us aside. It was quite daunting in different rooms. You're only young. Making a statement about what we were told from Kane. And then it could have been six months or so later. We have homicided our doorstep. 
the people, the police before that, done the big search from a missing person and they realised that he hasn't used his card, he hasn't done anything, they can't find him. So they declared that there's something suspicious and that's when we met the homicide. And we were quite shocked that, oh, we've got homicide on our door. Like, we used to love watching those crime shows, mm. you know. Never thought you'd be. No, never thought I'd be involved in a real crime, you know. He sat there on a chair and um, introduced himself and Timothy Peck, his name, and um, he said, we believe Trevor's dead. And that just brought me to tears. And my first thing was, how did he die? And he said, we believe he was cut up and burned in a barrel. And we're just sitting there thinking, oh, my God, we're just crying and thinking, this can't be true. Who does that? It's like a horror movie you watch. So they just said, we're going to investigate it and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden we find out about Butler and everyone else and we had no idea of these people. And now I think, well, Trevor might have wanted to come home, but he, they took his life from him. And for what, I don't know. Still don't know. Because he couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag if he tried. As a teenager, he was no good at having a punch with a boy or anything, you know. So I don't know. I just think he was scared and he was too scared to come to me because of the drugs. Because I would have given him a good home and, you know, I still think today if he was still on drugs, I would have had him at home. I would have supported him as much as I could. I don't want him not to ever see him again. That's the hardest thing. And now he's 45, I think. What would he look like now, you know? It's just so hard. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, 
but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Police were very, very good. Very good. They were excellent to us. It's hard for them to tell a family member of what's happened to their family. Oh, God, yeah. You know, they've got to have a bit of strength to be able to even say that to us. Yeah. I don't think he really wanted to tell me, but he did. Then Trevor's father got involved then and he spoke with police and all that then. He was supportive as well then. It was 2008 when they um, performed a forensic examination at the house. Yes. That Trevor had lived in with Lawrence Butler. And Butler and his girlfriend were in- interviewed. She gave a formal statement. She said that that Trevor was behind in rent. Yeah. And so this picture started to sort of come together of there perhaps being some... Money issues. Some issues, yes. Yeah. And then I guess the other friends started backing all of that up with these stories about Trevor being nervous, being afraid. Then this story comes forward about the Bathurst weekend in 2005. I just didn't feel comfortable going through the details of this statement in front of Pamela, even though she's very familiar with the horrifying details. But I'll read an excerpt for you now from the coroner's findings handed down by Coroner John Ollie after his inquest in 2020. On 10 July 2008, Jody Harris gave a formal statement to police in which she asserted the following. Approximately two weeks after Mr. Taskus moved into the Whittington property, there were several conversations between Mr. Taskus and Mr. Butler about Mr. Taskus having fallen behind on rent, which upset Mr. Butler. During the Bathurst weekend, which was held between 7 to 10 October 2005, Ms. Harris attended the Whittington property with Mr. Butler the only person home. She couldn't recall the exact day she attended, but she requested to use the shower. Mr. Butler asked her to wait whilst he went into the bathroom. Miss Harris followed Mr. Butler to the bathroom and observed a large, white-coloured Hessian type of bag in the bathtub. The bag was full of something, and there was another white Hessian type bag shoved under the top of it. I noticed there was like water leaking out of the bag into the bathtub. The water was red in colour, and I immediately thought it was blood mixed in with the water. When Miss Harris questioned Mr. Butler as to the contents of the bag, Mr. Butler said that it was fish following his friend's fishing trip. Following a shower, Miss Harris walked past Mr. Taskus's room and noticed a white or cream-coloured sheet that had a large amount of blood on it, sort of half on the bed and half on the floor. She told Mr. Butler that she had to leave and exited the house. Mr. Butler followed her out of the house and said to her, you know what you've seen and you are now part of this. In an effort to calm her, Mr. Butler invited Miss Harris back into the house. The two used the drug Speed, and Mr. Butler advised Miss Harris that Mr. Taskus had failed to pay his rent, which resulted in an argument, and that Mr. Taskus fell and he got knocked out. When Mr. Butler questioned Miss Harris as to what she thought had happened, she jokingly asked whether it was Mr. Taskus in the bag in the bathtub. Mr. Butler then told her, If you think that, then you can come and help me. Ms. Harris then witnessed Mr. Butler drag the bag from the bathroom and outside to the backyard, where he lifted it into a large barrel. He then lit a rag and placed it within the barrel. The barrel was smouldering, and Ms. Harris could see a lot of smoke coming from it. 
A few days later, Miss Harris re-attended the Whittington property at Mr Butler's request to help him clean up the backyard. Miss Harris witnessed Mr Butler empty the contents of the barrel into plastic shopping bags and dispose of the contents in a small, maroon-coloured rubbish wheelie bin. Miss Harris observed bone fragments on the ground in the ash. Her evidence was that she was a victim of, of the crime in as much as she didn't want to be part of it. She stumbled upon it. And then after that point, she was forced to assist in the, the burning of the remains. That's right. Mm. So with that evidence, the police then felt they had a pretty good case. When did they tell you that they about Butler and about the, the fact that they felt they had somebody that they could charge? Oh, they come to me about oh, a day or so before and told me not to leave the house. Right. Stay because they had a team out there and they were ready to charge these two people. And that was all over the papers at that time. And they went to arrest them and they'd taken off and they found them in a motel a bit out of town. So they'd done a bit of a runner when it started hitting the news. Mm. So crazy that I just don't remember this. How it's old like were I blocked you? it all out. Like I was still in high school. Yeah. Well, you've got such different situations that you're living through as well. I mean, you're at school. So I can't imagine going to school every day while everyone else is reading it in the paper mm. and their parents are talking about it. Yeah, I lost it a lot of friends. You got picked on quite a bit. I think, yeah. but then at, like looking back, how do you take that on? Mm. How do you support another teenager yeah. with that? But, I mean, it sucked at the time. It was horrible, but mm. yeah. You know, it's a common, but it's it's interesting that your brain, your yeah, part of your trauma reaction is to block it out. Block it to out. not be able to remember it. Yeah. Because you know? um, I had to go to the school to the principal and have a word because Kirsty had come home upset that someone had said something about Trevor and, you know, they were classing her in the same way. So I went to the principal and I said, this has got to stop. You know, she's just a normal kid in this situation and she doesn't need to be treated like this. Mm-hmm. It's hideous. It's so hard to imagine that that could happen, but it does. It happens all the time. It really does. They like, were picking people, on you. They were. The girls were. And their parents are probably like, oh, you know. Yeah. yeah be cautious of yeah. them. Don't mix with them. Because they don't, in their heads, they, yeah, yeah. they're just saying, oh, well. They must be know. drug addicts too. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, and then the other thing is we know that this is years now. I mean, like how long, I mean, you know, Trevor's been missing now for two years or something. Yeah. It's a... I don't know, a year or something since you've heard this terrible rumour and taking yourself to the police, an arrest is made. How long after that it is the trial? I think two years. Oh, the pressure, the stress, the anxiety is just, it's such a long time for you to, you get used to it in an awful way, don't you? Like your body or whatever it is, the hormone levels and all of those things, they just kind of stay there. Yep. This is how you end up with PTSD because it's mm. just there too long. Yeah, that hypervigilance type yeah. where you're just always. Yeah. And so what happens during that time in terms of like how often do the police come to visit you? Are they sharing information with you about well, what sometimes the case they're putting I'd together? I'd ring up a lot. I'd ring up 
Timothy, that was our main informant, mm. and I'd ring him up in tears, you know, what's happening and, mm. you know, they have to wait for a trial date and there's a process. And... When you finally got to, to trial and you went every day, you said, and um, and Trevor's dad came every day, is that, is that what yeah. happened at that trial? Yeah. Did you girls go? I went, yeah. My overseas. sister was overseas at the yeah. time. What did they present, the prosecutors, what did they believe was the lead up to... Trevor's death. What did they? Why did they think this happened? I think what it's the same case? story about about the rent. The rent. Then there was other rumors. I don't remember if it was heard of in the trial or after the fact that Trevor was involved with a young girl, um, and Lawrence was upset with that. But again, it's just rumors. We have no idea. But okay. the the one thing that people continue to say is the rent. It was money issue. But then it said that. Um, He'd only lived there for a couple of weeks. And I think, well, how far behind in rent can you be if you've yeah. only been there a couple of weeks? How much money could it possibly be? Yeah. How long did the trial go for? Do you remember? Two weeks, the first one was it. But at the end of that, tell us what happened. Oh, yes. Lawrence Butler was given 23 years from Justice Betty King. Yeah, that was, um, I was reading it again last night. I was like, that was the best feeling, mm. like obviously bittersweet, but God, it was good to hear it. She just she basically just, ripped him to shreds. She did. She nailed it. She, yes. And we had Ronnie Dills there and he was a top cop. And yep. They, they they had it all together. Yeah. They did. They they were right on the ball. So he was convicted of murder. He was convicted of murder. Yeah. Convicted of murder. That day. And we thought, well, it's, it's done. It's a pretty... Hefty sentence. Twenty three yeah. is to make like sometimes there's less for But you know, you know, I'm sure she and I'm sure she said yeah. in her sentencing yeah, remarks why? that she was taking yeah. into account the brutality yep. of the crime, the fact that he had no remorse. He the never lies. Yeah, he never admitted to any of it mm. and all of those issues. Yeah. And the um, different stories he would tell yeah. people she mentioned. Like you've said this Trevor's not coming back, have his dog or Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drove his car to Queensland. She just stated it all, and I just thought, what a woman! Very calculating. Yeah, what yeah. he did, and and the thing is, he can say anything because Trevor's not there yep. to defend yeah. himself. So he can say any shit about yep. this, that, you know, mm. to throw muddy the waters mm-hmm. because Trevor's not there to no. say anything. So you can make up any kind of bullshit, really, can't yeah. you? But I think Jodie Harris told. I think she got really scared. Yeah, because she'd been in and out of jail a few times for thefts and things like that for a drug habit. And I compare her to like Trevor. Trevor used heroin to mask the pain. Mm. No wonder she went back into, Jodie Harris went back to the drugs because imagine living through that, seeing that, Mm. and then it was used against her. Well, in the appeal in 2011. So Lawrence Butler appealed uh, in 2011 and this time Jodie Harris's evidence changed. She went back on some of her statements from the first trial and it made all the difference. Well, it kind of did, and but also, like, we didn't even get that far, right, because there was far. this bizarre legal loophole that was used um, by his defence. I've never heard of this before. Can you explain to us what a prasad? prasad? I think it's a prasad direction. The I judge don't... gave a prasad direction to the jury. We still don't understand fully he, he told the, the jury that they if they didn't want to they didn't have to hear any more evidence, evidence. so they agreed and acquitted him 
after hours and hours of research, the simplest explanation I could find of what a Prasad direction was and what happened to it comes from the website of Sydney solicitor Anthony Strick. We'll share a link to that website in the show notes. But Anthony says, The Prasad direction was a power previously available to a judge, allowing them to give direction to a jury that they are able to bring back a verdict of not guilty at any time without having to hear any more evidence of the case. This power was exercised if the judge was satisfied that the evidence is insufficiently cogent to justify a guilty verdict, and it was exercised in an attempt to save court resources and time. In March 2019, the Victorian Department of Public Prosecutions appealed a Prasad direction to the High Court after a woman was acquitted of the murder of her de facto partner. A woman had killed her partner by striking him in the back of the head with a footstool. The deceased had a long 25-year history of domestic violence towards the accused, and the question became whether the act was done in self-defence. The woman's defence team sought a Prasad direction, which succeeded at the end of a cross-examination period. After an appeal to the Victorian Court of Appeal failed, the DPP secured special leave to the High Court. The appeal was not of the acquittal itself, but of the validity of the Prasad direction as a modern instrument of law. The High Court unanimously upheld the appeal, deciding that the Prasad direction is contrary to law and should not be administered to the jury determining a criminal trial. So, basically, as of March 2019, the Prasad direction is no longer a thing in the Victorian legal system. From memory, I think it was within the same year or early the following year that a Prasad direction was no longer a lawful direction. Yeah. But so of course, because. Had this have been delayed six months, for example, the jury would have heard the same evidence all over again and he may have been convicted on manslaughter. We can go again. We can have a, um, yeah. you know, double jeopardy. Double jeopardy if we have fresh and compelling right. evidence. So that's why they've offered the $1 million reward. Tell us about that. How did that come about in um, your case? It's been in the background for a long time and unfortunately I think it had been forgotten the original detective who was looking after it had left the department. I call nearly every couple of weeks and just say, what's the update? What's going on? Where are we at? And then it was only early last year. I just called this random number and this detective answered. And I said, look, this is crap. Like, don't forget about us. And he was like, look, I'm taking ownership, taking it on board. And he said, I'll follow it up. And then it all just happened so quickly. It was, it's been approved. We'll do a media release and yeah, now it's crickets again. What were the reasons they for believe, the quashing of the ever, of the first verdict? His, his legal team believed Trevor was still alive. That was their theory, he's still alive. And I do re- recall that they would constantly say, Jodie's unreliable, you can't believe her, she's a drug she's addict. A drug addict so. Well, you say it all the time, Michelle, that's what they said to the survivors of institutional sexual abuse yeah. because they take drugs because they're traumatised and then they use it against them and go, well, they're drug yeah. addicts. You can't believe what they say. I mean, that's... Yeah. And and also, like I imagine, you would be terrified. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I even think to myself, I've blocked out so much and I didn't witness any of that. Imagine what she's mm. blocked out. But she did come up to me at the first trial standing on the steps at the Geelong Supreme Court and said how sorry she was. And I just thanked her for doing what she was coming doing. forward and doing what she was doing. And then a turnaround, the next trial just all turned around. And But I think she was scared too, what yeah. was going to happen to her. 
A big thanks to our guests, Pamela and Kirsty Taskus. Missing Person Squad detectives are continuing to investigate Trevor Taskus's disappearance, and there's a $1 million reward for information in relation to the person or people responsible for Trevor's death. There's details in the show notes for this episode. And of course, anyone with information can contact Crime Stoppers on 1-800-333-000 or you can file a report online at crimestoppersvic.com.au. If you've been affected by anything discussed in this episode, you can phone Lifeline on 13 11 14. There's also 13 Yarn on 13 92 76 which is a 24-7 crisis support phone line for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. For ad-free listening, early access and exclusive content, join Australian True Crime Plus on Apple Podcasts. There's a link in the show notes to find out more. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.